We're going to start in Scripture today. If you want to, we're going to jump around a little bit today, so if you want to open up your Bibles or your phones, your iPads, whatever you're using, that's fine. But we're going to put the Scriptures up here on the screen because we're really going to be moving today. So unless you've got quick fingers, uh, watch the screen. God is strong. The name for God in Scripture, as many of you know, is El. Does anybody know what that means? When Moses went to God three separate times and said, God, what do I call you? Or what do you call yourself? Do you know, do you know what God told him? I am. I am. And, and even after that, there's many moments in Scripture where God will say, I am that I am. Or I am he who is I am. There, there are so many times in Scripture, and what is God saying there? He's simply saying this. I, I am. Right? The magnitude of that statement is sometimes hard to grasp because we can't really understand the complexity of who God is. We can say to each other, you know, God was here before all of us, before the worlds, before the solar systems. God, God is he who created all that. Well, where did God come from? You know, God. It just, it, it's hard for us to understand. And so throughout Scripture, whenever God would do something or empower somebody, they would actually name that characteristic on the spot. And that's what we're going to go through today. Elohim. Elohim. Elohim is one of the most referred to names of God. And do you know what it means? Strong one, because it's on the board. <laughs> Y'all ain't reading. It means strong one. Jeremiah, then God's message came again to Jeremiah. Stay alert. I am God, the God of everything living. Is there anything I can't do? Elohim, God is the strong one. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Abraham, we all know all the stories of Abraham, right? What did God do with Abraham over and over and over again? He provided. And at one point, God said, stop right now and build an altar to me. And so Abraham did build that altar, and he called the place where he built it, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. This one is actually one of the ones that I think we don't carry with us, or maybe one of the characteristics of God that we don't use enough, and that is this. Jehovah Nisi is like a rallying point. Because with Jehovah Jireh, or where, where God has provided, Jehovah Nisi is that moment where you stand there with the banner and you tell people that God has provided. Jehovah Nisi is the word that we use, the characteristic of God, where God would stand in front of people and he would say this, listen, if you do what I'm telling you to do, this is what you will accomplish. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do or you want to do it your own way, then you won't accomplish it. And then when it was accomplished, God would say, I am. And the people would rejoice in him. And it is in that characteristic that we call Jehovah Nisi. It, we must let God be our banner. We must let God be that rallying point. We must remember that in our accomplishments, we do those things because it is God who has provided. It is Jehovah Nisi. 
Jehovah Shalom. Anybody know what this means? The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Too many times we walk through life in fear or in the expectation to be hurt or in the expectation to not be good enough or too many times we have been invaded in our youth. And so as we grow older, we automatically have this force field around us and we don't allow those who are with us to penetrate that. And so it becomes somewhat of our own inner peace. We try to create this peace in our life by pushing everything else away from us. And what it truthfully does is creates a solitude that does nothing but causes pain, right? Because what God has said is this, I am shalom. I am your peace. Jehovah Sabbath. The Lord of hosts. This is one of my favorites. Do you know what this means? I can whoop butt. That's what that means. I am the leader of the heavenly armies. There is nothing. You know those scriptures that say, there is nothing that can defeat me? This is what they're referring to. If God is in control of the heavenly armies, it means that God is also in control of those armies that want to destroy me, of the evil that invades my life, of the things that try to pull me down. God is in control of those moments. And if I claim this promise, then I know that God is not only my peace, but God fights my battles. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there, to the Lord and named it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Mekadeshim, the Lord your sanctifier. In Exodus it says, but as for you, speak to the sons of Israel saying, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. That's us. Throughout your generations that you may know I am the Lord that sanctifies you. I am the Lord that sanctifies you. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were going through Romans and how sometimes we think that it's our obligation to sanctify ourselves. And there are so many people who stand outside of the walls of a church because they think in order to come to the church, they got to put on that fake face of everything's all right in my life and I'm all good at everything and, and, and God has protected me and provided for me in every way that I you know, find necessary. Most people... Don't understand that we all are pretty much failing at some point in our lives. And so what happens in most churches, but we're different, we wear failure all the time. (laughs) What happens in most churches is the Lord Jesus moment, right? Most of you have heard this. You know, you, you wake up in the morning, you get your kids, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're fighting, you're throwing things around, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're fighting, you shove them in the car, you shove your wife in the car, you slam the door, you fight all the way here, you get, you know, to the parking lot, you're telling the kids to start shutting up, and then you get out of the car, you slam the door shut, you hit the front door of the church, you walk in, you go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Right? 
When the truth of the matter is, for some weird reason, we think that this place sanctifies us all. Or we think that when we pray the prayer of salvation, we instantly have to be perfect. Or God won't love us. But here is the truth, and here's what we've learned in Romans, and here's what we study at this church a lot because it's truth. And that is this. God knows you're dumb. <laughs> right? God knows your weak spots. God knows the areas you need to work on. And it is God who will sanctify you. It is the Holy Spirit who will work through you. If you're looking for a pastor who will stand next to you on your road and smack you in the back of the head every time you do something stupid, you're at the wrong church. If you're looking for people who are sitting next to you in the pew to judge you on every turn you make, guess what? You're at the wrong church. Because we understand that you're going to have to take responsibility for your spirituality. And it is not my job to make sure that you're walking straight on that path. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make sure you're walking straight on that path. And if you are trying to accomplish that goal, then you will be in Scripture. Then you will be in prayer then you will be in a constant mode of worship. And God will constantly be communicating to you. And you may say to yourself, I've never heard God. I've never heard God. What are you talking about he'll communicate to me? What I mean is this. There are moments in your life, I know there are, because it happens to me all the time. When I look back in my life and I say to myself, it had to have been God. Or I feel a nudge in one direction or another. Or I know that God is speaking to me to do something. God will sanctify you. We won't. And you can't. Three more. Hang with me. I know you all smell the donuts. <laughs> Jehovah Rai, the Lord my shepherd. Anybody know the scripture here? The Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't get much clearer than that. <laughs> what does a shepherd do? What else? Protect. Guides. What's that? Finds the lost. The Lord is my shepherd. Does it say here, my mom is my shepherd? <laughs> no. Now, your mama may try to be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord will provide. The Lord will watch over me. The Lord will protect me. The Lord will hook me when I'm going the wrong way. Jehovah said, can you? The Lord, our righteousness. I know a lot of you are sitting back today and going, I can't believe Brad can pronounce these words. They may not be right. <laughs> there you go. The Lord our righteousness. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which we will be called the Lord our righteousness. And here is the most important to me. Yahweh Shema. The Lord is there. 
the Lord is there. When, when uh, my wife was pregnant with Jaden, we were looking for a name for Jaden. And uh, <clears throat> couldn't find one, couldn't find one. So we sat down at the computer, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're the only ones that do that, I don't know. But we sat down at the computer and we're like, this name, no. This name, no. And so finally Sarah said, well, let's find a name that means something. Because, you know, Jordan's name means so much. And so we said, let's find a name that means something. And so we, we said, okay. And, and Sarah said, well, what's important to you? And I said, that God hears me. And so we typed in, God hears me. And it's Jaden. The important thing for us all is this. That we know God is there. The characteristics of God fill so many voids in our life and, and, and really can encourage us. And we know so many times we don't claim those. And so in our failures, we know God is there. In the trouble, we know God is there. When we're having financial difficulty, we know God is there. When the bills keep piling on, we know God is there. When we lose our jobs, we know God is there. When our family... Our kids make decisions that make you want to punch them in the teeth. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. No. Is that not just, is that, no? But in those moments, or maybe it's your husband, and you want to punch your husband in the teeth. That's where we go, all right. In those difficult moments, we know God is there. Dave, Dave's like, that's never happened in my marriage. <laughs> No, I'm not going there because I'm not going there, Dave. Hey, you want to beat your wife? That's on your own time. <laughs> Yahweh Shema, God is there. We have been, for the last few weeks, talking about how to be in our faith where we need to be for this next step that God is going to take us on. An understanding that where we are is not an accomplishment, but it's an open door to a journey of where God is beginning, beginning to take us. For some of you, you have been here for the two years it has taken to get to Sunday morning. <laughs> right? For some of you, you're sitting here and going, I want to go back to Saturday night. <laughs> and you can, I'm just not going with you. Which may be better. But the truth is this. We all understand that God has called us specifically here for a reason, and that is this, to be a part of this Christian community. And the thing at... One love that we all hold on to, that I want you to hold on to, is that we are really only here to accomplish two things, and that is to love God and to love people. And if we understand who God is, if we understand that God is the void in our life, we have this spiritual void that can only be filled with God. Now, we try to fill it with all kinds of stuff. But it is our soul that's crying out for God. And if we will allow God entry, then God can do amazing things in your life. And I promise you that you will love him like you've never loved him before.
But secondly, to understand what it really means to love people. Because this is really the most difficult part. Because you are born to love yourself. You just are. You're born to love yourself. And so when things don't go right for you, your entire body will shut down. And you will think differently and you will move differently because you weren't fulfilled the way you believe you needed to be fulfilled. And let me tell you why that happens. Because God did not send you into this world. God did not create you into being so that you could bless yourself. Which is why when you are unfulfilled and your spirit goes, your entire world changes. But if we can all awaken and understand that God has called you to this place not to be a blessing to yourself, but to be a blessing to others, to understand that evangelism or the preaching of the gospel has nothing to do with your mouth, but everything to do with your heart. To understand and to know, what is it that uh, the famous quote, I can't think of who it was that said it, preach the gospel at all times and when you have to, Sometimes use words. St. Francis, thank you. Of a CC. That one or the one from Toledo? A CC. But that is our push here at One Love Church. That is the vision for One Love Church. And so sometimes we say to people, listen, man, our church is different. And truthfully, what we mean by that is we just, we're different. But really, what we are striving to do, and let me tell you something. This is from our leadership down. One thing that you all don't know, and I'm going to let you in. Maybe you do know. I don't know. Our leadership team meets once a month. And I have told our leadership team, listen, we're going to talk about things that y'all just disagree with me because I'm different. So there's going to be things that I want to do in ministry, and you're going to be like, look, Brad, (laughs) no. (laughs) Right? And I'm going to say, listen, this is what we're doing. By the end of the meeting, we're going to hate each other. I said, but this is what we're going to do. After every single meeting, we're going to hug. We're going to go around this room, we're going to hug. And for the first few months, the man hugs were really awkward. I'm not going to lie to you. But let me tell you what happened. We hug and we say this. We hug and we say this. I love you. When we're disagreeing, I love you. When we're arguing, I love you. When we want to head in two completely different directions, I love you. And why is that? Because we need to understand from the very top of the leadership chain of this church that every move we make will be on the basis of what is better for you, what will lift you up, what will enable you to praise God more. And those are the reasons we make the decisions that we make, because we love God and because we love you. You must now love each other. And that's where we're going. In order for us to really be effective and be strong as a church, we have to understand how to love each other. And I'm going to give you a couple of tools to do that. The first of those tools are some pretty cool nifty little cards. We have what we call our invite cards. And then we have a card that's separate from that. And it's called a touch of love card. The invite cards are black little cards. And all they simply say is, you're invited. And they got information on them. The reason they only say that is because those are the moments where you're going to have to talk. 
The other cards we have are Touch of Love cards. And what you're going to find on that card is our church address is not on that card. Because that card has nothing to do with you getting people to come to this church. That's why there's two separate cards. That card has everything to do with you letting people know why it's important that you bless their life in that one moment. Those are your random acts of kindness that much of us just don't do. Those are those moments where that person in front of you that's taking forever and you want to smack them in the back of the head, that's the moment when you buy their meal and you give them a card. Those are life-changing, character-changing cards because they're going to force you. Now, let me tell you something. You can take them, right, and you can put a coupon in the supermarket and put the card and no one will ever know it's you. And that's okay. But I'm challenging you to give them to somebody face-to-face, to do something encouraging and loving face-to-face and make a life-changing moment. The second thing is impact lists. How many of you are still doing your impact list? I get to hear the stories, they're pretty cool, of when the impact list works. Impact lists are simply this. You're going to take a little piece of paper and you're going to draw five lines on that little piece of paper. And at the top, you're going to write, all right, Greg. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to write the names of five people that you want to bring to church or five people that you want to find the Lord or five people that you know need a life change in their life. And you're going to write those names down. And you're going to take that list and you're going to go to those people and you're going to smack them in the forehead and say, see, you're an idiot and I'm praying for you. Right? No. They will never know they're on your list until the moment God opens that door and you'll know when that is. I promise you, you'll know when that is. You're going to write down five names and for the next 12 weeks, you're going to pray for those names. And on October 14th, October 14th, we're going to hold our first official service in this building. I'm calling it our first official service because it's going to be the first time that all of you really step out on faith and see what God will do. October the 14th. So here's what you have to do. Get your impact list done today so you can begin to pray for those names. God is there. I'm going to tell you real quickly, I'm going to close on this. There's a story, and maybe some of you have heard this. And if you haven't, it's cool I get to be the first to tell you. One of the victims of the Colorado shooting was a female and was sent to the hospital. She was shot in the head. Bullock exited the rear, actually stopped at her skull. And so she was sent to the hospital, and if you remember at the beginning of those days, they said that there were 12 dead, and then there were some reports that said there were 13, and then it would go back to 12 and 13, 12 and 13. She was that one that they were waiting on to die. And so they took her to the hospital, and the doctor came out to the family. He said, listen, this is the procedure that we have to do, and I want you to know that she will not survive it. So prepare yourself. And so they took her into surgery. Surgery goes on. Finally, at the end of the surgery, the doctor comes out. And the mom says, the first thing I noticed was he was alone. And I knew that whenever the patient dies, they always bring the care workers with them. 
And so my first bit of joy was he was coming to me alone. And so she said he came and he sat down across from her and he said, I've never seen this before. (laughs) Which, in medical speech, that means this is a miracle. He sits down, he tells the mom, he says, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. And she says, what do you mean? He says, your daughter has an abnormality in her brain. And there is a canal that runs through her brain where fluid constantly flows through. And she would never have known because it doesn't touch any major part of her brain. She would have never had known that this was there unless she had some sort of CAT scan. And the mom says, well, she's never had a CAT scan. And he said, well, this is what happened. A piece of buckshot from the shotgun shell went into the front of her head exactly where that canal begins and followed as the fluid pushed it through her brain to the back of her skull where the canal ends. Now her pastor was sitting there and he said this, before you were born, God was there. Before you were born, God was there. God is there. And these promises of God as our provider, these promises of God as our protector, God is our warrior. God will fight our battles. God will be our banner. God will be who we're proud of. These promises are true. You have to claim them in your life. When the battles begin to enrage, you have to claim that God is your warrior. When people begin to exalt you for what you've done, you have to claim that God is your banner. And when you are in the midst of a really bad moment, you have to claim that God is there. God is there. Will you stand with me? As you leave today, on your way out of the door, if you turn to the right at our refreshment bar, there is a basket there. And in those baskets, Dave, will you hold that up? Do you have that? In those baskets, you'll see our little packets of cards. Just grab one. It's got five of the invite cards. It's got five of the love cards. Grab one of those, slip it into your pocket. Begin to use your impact list. I can't encourage you enough on this. Write down those five names. Pray for those individuals daily. Pray for those individuals. And I promise you, God will open a door. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for being our provider. We thank you, Father, for being our shelter. We thank you, God, for giving us peace. We thank you, Father, for being there. And Father, we pray that we remember in those prideful moments that you are our banner. Father, we pray that we remember in those moments when we are exalted that, Father, it was because of your gifts to us. And that, God, you may be exalted and glorified. And so, Father, in this moment, we confess to you. God, those things in our life that stand as barriers for what you will have us to do, for what you have created us to do. Father, my 
what I consider inefficiencies, Lord, will you just awaken me to realize that they're blessings that can show your strength and not ours. Father, in those moments when I'm fearful, will you hit me over the head with the realization that you are not fear, but strength and might. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, as we walk through this next week, that, Father, you protect our families, you protect our loved ones, and, God, you protect us. And you help us to remember how strong and mighty you are. We love you. You are the great I am. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.